Um, so glad you've joined us today. Glad you've joined us in church. We started a series last week called God's Electric Power Company Tackles Trouble. It's a horrible name and a helpful series. And um, we just had a great time last week. And if you've been following along, we've been reading one chapter of the Bible every single day um, through the next 28 days. And then what we're doing is we're actually unpacking that on Sunday. So I encourage you to jump in. Again, we already said, if you haven't jumped in, jump in right now and start reading today's uh, reading, which is Ephesians 1, in one chapter a day, one and done. And then on Sundays, we're going to unpack that. The preaching team's going to unpack the last six, seven days. And some of you just need to maybe write down one thing in your notes as you're reading, just to help you memorize or remember just one thought, one thought from the chapter. And it's interesting how many times that will come out on Sunday in a message. Or maybe God will give you some fresh revelation. And I'm going through it myself, and I'm like, I'm choosing to ignore my notes from the past. I'm like, I want fresh revelation from each chapter as I read it. God's electric power company tackles troubles. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, First and Second Thessalonians. That's why it's called God's electric power company tackles troubles. Horrible name. Nobody, nobody reaffirmed me last week going, Pastor Mike, that's a brilliant name. You know why? Because it's a horrible name. But it's a helpful series. Lord, I thank you for this morning. Thank you for those that are here today. Thank you that your word does not return void. I thank you for those that are seeking you for the first time, coming in here going, I don't know about this Jesus. I don't know about this faith. Father, I pray they'd be overwhelmed with your goodness, your grace, your mercy, that they would just feel like they were in the right place at the right time with the right God. And God, I thank you for those that call Nova home. Father, I pray today there'd be a freshness. I thank you for the life in this room. I thank you for the passion in this room. I thank you that we put our passion on display because you are good. I pray these next few minutes would not only be helpful, but Father, they'd be heaven kissing the earth. I pray your word would encourage us. Spirit, you would uh, strengthen us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, starting Galatians. Galatians. Uh, Galatians, a short intro into Galatians. It was written by the Apostle Paul. They say around 48 AD, and it's Paul's letters to the Galatians of a church he planted in his very first missionary journey. In fact, if you go back to Acts around Acts chapter 13, they believe that's the journey, that's the travel from Acts. And when Paul was sent as a missionary, he planted the church in Galatians, in Galatia. So this is the story, this is a letter, this is a book, uh, uh, an encouragement that he sent to the church to kind of make sure they were doing what well. was pastoral, it was corrective, and it was encouraging. Now, this, this, this book that has a theme um, their false teachers had come in and taught the Galatians some false teachings that they told them that they were required to be circumcised, which really, in the, in, the, in the Old Testament, Jews had to be circumcised as a way of showing they were set apart and living holy. It was an Old Testament thing, and these false teachers came in and said, hey, you have to keep doing that. You have to keep to the old rules, and these false teachers demanding religious rules that were meant to expire with Jesus' life and sacrifice. And they had moved on. Now it was about a relationship with God, not about so much the rules and traditions, but now the relationship. And the results of this, of these false teachers in the church in Galatians, is that the result it was this division in the church. And Paul, Paul gives numerous reasons why they should return to the simple truth of the gospel. Can I encourage you? I'm so thankful for the simple truth of the gospel. We have this thing we say all the time, let the gospel do the work. So many times we want to control people, we want to overmanage people, we want to try to uh, correct people all the time. Listen, I believe there's a place for pastoral and, uh, and, and encouragement and correction, but I know this, that's why if we can get you, and if I can get myself reading the word of God, the gospel does the work. 
We get back to the simple truth of the Bible. I want to pull out one point from almost all the chapters today. I encourage you, if you're reading Galatians, you would, this would be familiar to you. I'll tell you, it's a, it's a great thing to come into the message on Sunday, already have your heart primed, and the Holy Spirit already speaking to you. Galatians 1, like most of the book, has correction in it. Let me read first Galatians, Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. It says this, I am shocked, Paul says, that you are turning away so soon from God. He comes out of the gate hot right there. Not, I wish, you know how every email starts with, I hope this email finds you well. He starts off not like that. He starts off with, hey, I'm shocked that you've turned away so soon from God. Verse 6, who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news. Oh, we got so many pretenders these days. But it is not the good news at all. You're being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Here's my thought from chapter 1, is that you correct what you value. Our city is in a boom. The, 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 the official bird of Halifax is the crane. Thank you for the six that got that. All right. There's construction everywhere. You know, we have engineers in this church, and we have inspectors in this church, and we have construction in this church. And I am so thankful for engineers and inspectors because what they do is they make sure as it's being built that it's being built right. And if you fail an inspection, though it can be a setback, it can be frustrating, what they're saying is, hey, this doesn't line up with the engineer's uh, code or the city's code. We have to get you lined up because if we don't correct it now, we won't be able to trust it when it's built later. Correction is a value that when you have it that protects you. I love this in cars. My car, our cars over the years, once in a while, will get a, a recall notice, a simple fix. Hey, take it into the dealership. We have to recall. Why? Because they said we found something through all these studies and all these other cars that if we leave it, it could cause some damage or the car to be unsafe. Listen, I am thankful for a culture of correction in the automobile industry when my 17-year-old is driving my car. Correction is what you value. Here's the thought out of Galatians 1. Correction is protection. I'm so thankful that we are in a building that I know was corrected over time. I'm so thankful for driving cars when I see my 17-year-old driving our car knowing that it's a culture of correction because correction is protection. How much more important is our faith than a building that might be demolished in 70 years or a car that you won't own in 10 years, how much more important is our faith that is eternal that we start seeing correction is protection? See, you'll start to love correction in your faith when you see that it's God's protection for what he's building in your life. Paul steps in here and says, listen, I need to correct something. Because I didn't start a church to last for a couple years. I just didn't come for a little journey to get you started, and you're turning away so soon. I need to correct you because I need to protect you because I value what God has on your life. You'll love correction when you see it as protection. You'll embrace it as protection, not punishment. Here's the question. When was the last time your faith was corrected? I love getting around pastors and leaders that, I, rec that I, I really respect and brilliant thinkers and leaders. And I'll ask them this, hey, what have you changed your mind on recently? What has God corrected you on recently? When was the last time you were corrected with a thought life? When was the last time maybe your attitude, maybe when was the last time God called Jared on apathy in your life? When was the last time going, hey, you, you need to, you, you, listen, you're better, you, you're better than this. Your faith is stronger than the way you're living. Listen, you were, you, you were brought into this at such a passion and there's apathy. When was the last time apathy or attitude was corrected in your faith? When was the last time impurity was corrected in your faith? 
When was the last time you, you slipped and go, hey, 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 listen, listen. You're holy. You're, you're, you're a royal uh, king and queen. You are a priesthood. You're living below your holiness. Holiness is royalty. And, and listen, come up another level. When was the last time you were corrected? If the, that answer is an indicator of your faith's health. You're like, man, I haven't been corrected in a while. I haven't, I haven't felt conviction in a while. It's probably an accurate depiction of where you are at in your faith. Because correction is protection. Galatians 2. When I pulled out of Galatians 2, starts in chapter 2, verses 6 to 8. 6 to 8 says this. says, the leaders of the church had nothing to add to what I was preaching. By the way, their reputation as great leaders made no difference to me, for God has no favorites. Instead, they saw that God has given me the responsibility of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, just as he had given Peter the responsibility of preaching to the Jews. For the same God who worked through Peter as the apostle to the Jews also worked through me as the apostle to the Gentiles. A couple thoughts from this chapter that jumped out at me as I read this. Is number one, we all have God-given responsibilities in this life. You need to know that there's a reason why you're here. It's more than just your job or your education or your family or relationships, whatever that is. There's a God-given assignment and calling on your life. We tell our kids, we say, hey, you got to find your purpose before you find your person or your position in a company. Your purpose, why? Because God has an assignment on your life. The second thing is, you have an assignment, you have a responsibility. The second point I thought reading this is that they might not be your friend's responsibility. You have a responsibility from God, but it might not be the same as your friend's responsibility. And so many people will say this, well, are you going to that event? I'll decide if I'm going to that event. I'm going on Sunday. Are you going on Sunday? I'm going. Oh, you're not going anymore? Maybe I won't go. Maybe I'm called to be a part of that move. Maybe you're, if you're not called, maybe I'm not going to go. And we base it on each other. Well, man, they were really excited about their faith, but now they've kind of dropped off. Maybe I'm just going to drop off. And, I, and we base it on each other. Listen, we all have a responsibility from heaven, and it might not be the same as your friends. Where has God called you to build and lead? That's a question you, if you don't know, you should answer this year. Where has God called you divinely to build and to lead? And we share the destination of heaven, but we all have unique callings. Don't take up space this year. Take up an assignment. So many people think that their assignment is taking up space. No, 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 no. Attending is not the same as responsibility. Don't take up a seat. Don't take up a space. At your workplace, just don't take up space. Take up an assignment. God has an assignment for your life. That's one of the reasons why you choose a church. Watch this. In verse 1 of chapter 2, I love this. It says, the 14 years later, I went back to Jerusalem again. This time, Barnabas and Titus came along too. God will call people on the same assignment for the same reason. And though you may have different assignments than everybody else, there are people that are called together for the same responsibility. That's what we share in this church. Some people say, hey, I don't feel called to this church. You might not be. This, this because we're a church doesn't mean it's for everybody, meaning it doesn't mean you have the same heart, the same vision, the same mission we have. Some of you, that's why you need to go to next steps, going, you know what? This is not the church for me. Others of you go, man, this is my heartbeat. I feel like something's waking inside of me. I feel like I'm supposed to not just take up space, but take up an assignment. I feel like there's something here. And as we gather, that's why we are passionate about reaching our city for Jesus. We're helping those far from God come close to God. We are passionate about building a legacy for the next generation. Why? Because it's our assignment, and God will draw people together with you. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, reading verses 1 to 3. Paul's at it again. He's kind of harsh in his tone, but he's trying to get through to them. He says, he said, oh foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? 
For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Here's a thought I wrote down reading Galatians 3, is that you have to believe to receive. And then underneath, I wrote this note. I thought, grace is greater than rules. Now, if you grew up with believing that rules mattered and you were raised by Hilda Miller, who, who applied the hand of learning to the seat of learning, come on, somebody, where, where some of you are like, that's, you know, we don't believe in discipline. Hilda did. And um, wooden spoons weren't just for making cookies. They were for correcting kids and... Uh, and I'm just going to say, I turned out okay. But I, I followed the rules. When you hear grace is greater than rules, if that's you, you're like, oh, I don't like what you're saying. Because you have to understand grace. Listen, you can't gain power. This is what Paul's saying. You can't gain power and you can't gain faith by acting good. We have so many people just living to be moral. I'll hear that about someone. Like, hey, they're dating somebody. Here, this young adult, they're dating. Yeah, are they a Christian? They're very moral. That guy's really more, they're really good, but they're doing so much good. Listen, there's a place for good. We need to do good. But good works in itself, there's no power in it. You can't gain power by acting good. You gain power and faith by believing in what Jesus has done. Let me explain it this way. My son, Josh, who turns 20, I can't believe that, in a few months, he's living out west. And when he, to be my son, we didn't hold auditions to be my son. Right? It wasn't like, okay, we, we want to have a boy. Let's have an audition. Let's line them up. And they came in, and we sat down, you know, with a list of questions going, okay, who do we have next? Uh, jo Josh, come on in. Josh comes in like American Idol or the X Factor, and he, we're sitting there. He comes on stage. And we're like, okay, does he have brown eyes? Because Millers have brown eyes. Does he have brown Okay, check. All right, good, good. Okay, this is going well so far. Listen, how do you feel about puns? A <laughs> little bit of laugh, a little bit of groan. Perfect. Okay, great. Awesome. Okay. Um, all right, do you like New York City? Do you like travel? Travel is important. How do you feel about cats? Trick question, how do you feel about cats? Don't like cats. Okay, this is going well. How do you feel about a golden retriever named Cooper that leaves hair everywhere? Oh, you love him? All right, this is going well. That's not how Josh became our son. There was no audition to become our son. Josh was our son through the miracle of birth, and because of that relationship, he actually acts like a miller. See, we didn't audition him going, act like a miller, and then you become a son. He's a son, and because he's a son, he acts like a miller. Man, if you, people, people meet him on the West Coast that doesn't, doesn't know he's my son, and then they find out, like, man, that kid reminds me of Mike Miller. He reminds me, just, or people hear his accent going, are you from the East Coast? Why? Because he is East Coast. He is a miller. His eyes are brown. He loves New York. He hates cats. He loves Cooper, our dog. He, he groans at my jokes, and he loves my jokes. He, he is all Miller. In, in, in good or bad, he is all Miller. Why? Because he is our son. He acts like our son. This is what Paul is saying. Some of you are trying to act good and act like heaven and trying to earn power by that. Paul's going, you cannot get heaven by acting good. But by being born by the miracle of Jesus, born into the kingdom, adopted into the kingdom, because of that, you start to act good. And you get the cart before the horse. Listen. Behavior matters, but the root of it is not earning heaven. It's reciprocating an overflow of a relationship we have with the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul's saying here. Receive the gift of relationship with God, and that relationship will raise you to act like Jesus. 
That's the difference right there. Some of you are trying so hard. I just got to read. I got to do. I got to be. I got to stop. I got to listen, listen. If you can meet Jesus, be filled with his spirit, something starts to happen. Let the gospel do the work. And you'll become. Our son was born with, he, he, when he was born into our family, he didn't act a certain way. He was just born. But I'll tell you, as he grew as a miller, his life reflected our values, our personality, our culture. It's the same thing with the kingdom of God. Galatians chapter 5. Verses 16 to 17. Let me read this. I thought this was so encouraging. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. I feel like there's a theme today. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Oh, doesn't it crave? Man, I crave chips so much. Where are my chip people? Lord, do what you can. Don't celebrate. That's sin right now. All dressed. Oh, so good. I like my chips modest. All dressed, man. Just so good. So good. Love chips. You like that was new too, wasn't it? Yeah, chip off the old block. Okay. Where was that? Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Joe Louie, they're so good too. And peppermint ice cream. I had, I had half a bottle of half a two-liter bottle of root beer last night after Nancy went to bed. I just want to confess that right now. Lord, forgive me. Okay, moving on. And just to be clear, online, I said root beer. Okay, here we go. Verse 17, the sinful nature, the sinful nature wants to do what's evil and just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite to what the sinful nature desires. And these two forces are constantly fighting each other so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. Here's a thought I wrote down after reading Galatians 5. There's a battle Paul says here, and if you've been in your faith at all, you know this. There's a battle between your sinful default settings. The Bible calls it flesh. It's more than just this. It's like your natural instinct. It's your default settings when you're born going, I just want to think this way, act this way, do this way. Just my sinful default settings that remove me from God, that take me away from God. And there's a battle between that and the Holy Spirit of God that wants to fill you and he wants to lead you. And these two sides are battling over you. Sometimes you wonder why you feel like, man, I just feel like I'm in a battle. You is. That's why another part of Scripture calls it the fight of faith, not the spa of faith, not the, sab- not the sabbatical of faith, not, not the rest of faith, not the um, cabin of faith, not the vacation of faith. It's the fight of faith. Life is a battlefield. Life is a battlefield. And how do you know which one is winning in your life? That'd be a great question to ask. As you read this, going, there are two things fighting over my faith. How do I know which one is winning? I love this, this where we live. If you've moved here recently, um, if you haven't gotten to the valley part of our province during the fall, it's just so full of produce, and it's just a beautiful time, and, and there's so much growing. We live in a beautiful province. But really, the, the apital capital of the world is a place called Wenatchee, Washington State. Now, if you go into Seattle and you go... You go east from Seattle, and you go past Monroe, Snohomish. You go up Stevens Pass over the mountains, great skiing. And you come over the mountain, start coming down into the other side of Washington State to a place called Wenatchee. Now, Wenatchee, most apples, if you look at them, if they're not Nova Scotian, where we live, you'll see them. They'll say Washington State, or they'll even say Wenatchee. Now, Wenatchee is a breathtaking place, beautiful place. And what's amazing is you come over the hill, and you come down in September, and you start coming through. You can smell the apples before you see them. It's the apple capital of the world. Most of the apples of the world come from this place. It's this amazing place. You see them, you smell them before you see them. Now, you'll never guess what's in the valley of Wenatchee. What would you expect to see 
all through the valley of Wenatchee. Apple trees. So deep, isn't it? Apple trees. See, the Bible says you know a tree by its produce. You know a tree by its fruit. Paul's also saying you know what spirit leads a person by what is produced. It's amazing. When I walked down there, I expected to see apple trees. Why? Because I heard about their apples and I could smell their apples. If there's apples, there must be apple trees. Paul goes on here in Galatians 5 and he says, hey, your life produces something. There's a battle over your life. But you want to know who's winning Look at what's produced. Look at the fruit of your life. Apples come from apple trees. Oranges come from orange trees. You cannot separate that. What is grown comes out of what it is rooted to or tied to. Look at this, Galatians 5, 19 to 21. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. This is the fruit. This is what's produced. This is what grows. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension and division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Then it goes on and says, that's the sinful nature. Now look at what happens if, if the Holy Spirit's winning in your life, if that is what you're tied to, if that's the tree that you're attached to. It goes, it goes on here and it says in verse 22, but the Holy Spirit produces or grows the fruit, this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, against which you don't need rules. See, because if you have love and joy and peace, if you have patience and kindness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, you don't need rules because you already have this stuff growing in your life. Let me ask you today a question because when you read Scripture, it's important to ask yourself a question. What's Paul encouraging? What's he correcting? And then ask yourself, hey, how am I doing in that? So here's the question based on what's growing in your life. What's your natural reaction? What's your natural action each day? Another way of saying it is, what's growing in your life? What comes out of your mind every day? What comes out of your mouth every day? What are the choices you're making? What is produced? If you think about that honestly, if you don't have an honest answer, ask your spouse if you're married. What comes out of your life? What is growing out of your life? At your default setting, at your, at every, on your average day, not when you're dressed up and you're putting on your best at work or at church or family, when you're at your most vulnerable and real self, what is growing on your life? Short temper, you frustrate it. Apathetic, lazy in your commitments to relationships that you have covenant with. Are you, are you selfish? Are you lustful? Are you envy? Are you, are you judgmental? What, what is the fruit in your life? Well, how are you feeling all the time? How, what are you thinking all the time? What are you doing all the time? Or you say, hey, man, I just, there's, it seems to be a, 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 a more love in my life, more patience, more self-control. I feel like I'm not given to just emotions or, or moods. I feel like I have some discernment, and I also have some strength in my life. What's growing in your life? Because that's the tree that you're attached to. That speaks to your source. Because you can say, hey, I, I belong to the church, or I, I follow Jesus. Great, Paul's saying, it doesn't matter what you say. Show me what's produced in your life. That's why I love being around non-church people because they will tell you what they see. They don't know your pedigree of how long you've been in church or what team you serve on or how much you give. They just go, that guy is a horrible worker. That girl's the center of gossip. That person always calls in sick for work. Oh, I'm, I'm getting real right now. That person's inconsistent. That person, it seems like whenever there's drama, that person's name comes up. 
Or they're saying, man, I don't know what it is, but that person is kind. That person is generous. I, I just want to come to you because I feel like you always listen to people's troubles, and you, you're so, so helpful. I don't know what it is about you, but I feel like I can trust you. I feel like, and you should have no idea what your root is tied to, but they see the fruit. I don't know if they're, if they're, gold, if they're, if they're uh, Macintosh apples or if they're Royal Gala apples. I don't know. What to, all I know is it's apples because I can see the tree. I don't know what apple this is right now. I don't know if this is a royal, that's a honey crisp. Thank you, darling. Thank you, honey. That's a honey crisp. You know what? I, I'm, I don't need to know. I, I, I don't need to see a sign. I know that came from a honey crisp tree. And people see the fruit in your life. People see the fruit in your life. It, it goes back to the tree you're, you're talking to. Let me go to Galatians 6. Galatians 6 carries right on the exact same theme. Galatians 6, verse 7. Don't be misled. God cannot be mocked. The justice of God you cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Paul hits his home one more time. He's like, I'm telling you, there's a battle over your life. You need to know there's good and evil. You know that there's the, the sinful flesh, your default setting. There's the spirit of God. They're fighting over you. The only way you can accurately determine is what's growing in your life is by the fruit. You see what comes out of your life. That tells you what source you're tied to. He goes in and goes, listen, don't be mocked. You will harvest what you plant. Here's what you need to know. Something is growing in your life. Whatever you plant, whatever you're tied to, will be what feeds you. Here's what's interesting is that I've picked apples for a living for a season. Up in the valley, I picked apples for a season. It's amazing how many apples I ate. If you're from this area and you pick strawberries, come on, they should weigh you going out. Why? Because you eat what you grow, what you pick. You need to know this, that you will harvest what you plant and what you're tied to will determine what grow. And what grows is actually feeding you and feeding others. If you're feeding others frustration, it's because you're frustrated. If you're feeding others lust, it's because you're lustful. If you're feeding others generosity, it's because you're generous. If you're feeding others peace, is you have to have peace. You will eat off of the fruit of your life first. It's the fruit of the Spirit. What feeds you shapes you. Don't believe that. Go look in people's pantries and fridge, and then you'll see what shapes them, literally. We all know this. What goes in must come out. It's the same thing spiritually. That what feeds you shapes you, whether it be lust or love, whether it be greed or generosity, whether it be self-control or out of control. Whatever you, whatever feeds you is what's growing on your life will shape you. So what you tie yourself to determine what fruit you produce. What fruit you produce is what you consume and give to others. And what you consume and give others determines the life you have. Paul's going back to the root going, make sure you know there's a battle over your life. See, so many want to complain about their life. They vent about what's produced. Drama in relationships, weakness in different areas, the way they're unsatisfied and frustrated, where there isn't any progress. And we spend so much, countless hours complaining over the fruit we see, but we rarely want to uproot the trees we're tied to. And we, we, we have therapist office and pastoral offices, and we have social media accounts where we vent, and we all talk about the fruit of our lives. And we all want to talk about fruit and be fruit inspectors, but very few want to uproot trees. Go, man, I got to just uproot that. I don't want to be tied to that anymore. You can, do, you can do all you want, but you cannot just keep taking away, changing the apples away from an apple tree and expect anything different to happen. If you want oranges, you got to plant some orange trees. If you want, if you want some bananas, you need a banana plant. If you want something different, you have to change the tree. My question is, what's growing in your life today? It goes back to the source. Change our source, you change what's produced. 
I love how Paul ends this, Galatians, in verse 9 with an encouragement. He corrects them because correction is protection. And then he ends this in verse 9 with an encouragement. Chapter 6, verse 9. So let's not get, not get tired of, what, of doing what is good. Church, hear me today. Let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Church, I want to encourage you this morning. We're going through Galatians. I want to end the way Paul ended. Don't give up doing good. Don't give up getting your kids ready for church. Some of you caregivers, I saw you in the parking lot today, putting shoes and socks and getting those wheelchairs out and getting those kids to church. You're a hero. Don't give up prioritizing your marriage. Don't give up making a priority, coming to church, gathering with God's people. Don't give up embracing connection. Don't give up embracing correction. Don't give up connecting to Jesus. Fight for that connection. I don't have time, but I I I need to fight for that connection in the morning. I need to fight for that connection at night. Keep connecting with Jesus. Keep at your assignment that God's called you to. Keep making God first. Keep believing. Because a harvest of blessing is is coming if we don't give up. And the legacy we're looking to build in our lives and as a church comes from the daily of keep believing and don't give up. Because if we don't give up, we will reap a harvest of blessing. Today, church, I want to bless you and pray for you. We're going to sing this song. If you can stand to your feet all over this room. Here's what I want to do in these next few minutes. As we sing this song, as we sing this song, I want you to ask yourself some questions today. Who is winning in the battle of my life? You don't need to ask someone next to you. I want you to ask God today. Say, hey, how, how am I doing? Are you frustrated? Are you mad? Are you lustful? Are you selfish? Are you apathetic? Does your faith feel stale? Paul says, no, no, be encouraged, be encouraged. If you just go to the source, lean in, don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't give up. Don't give up. Lean in one more time. And I promise you, if you tie yourself to the true vine, to the the tree of heaven, if you tie yourself to God Almighty and the Holy Spirit, something will start to grow. Here's what I know about fruit. It takes a little while. Someone's like, I went to church first Sunday of the year and nothing changed in my life. Listen, it took you a lifetime to get into a mess. Give God at least a month. He said, no, just do good, just do good, just do good. Not because I'm earning heaven, but because I am heaven's. Not because I'm trying to become a child of God, because I am a child of God. Oh God, would you grow in my life right now? Oh Holy Spirit. Ask yourself, God, how am I doing? And secondly, say, God, would you correct me right now? And it changes me. See, correction is protection. Oh God, would you protect me? I don't want to live in a building that's not safe. I don't want to drive a car that is faulty. And I don't want to live a faith that is weak. God, would you correct me? And God will call out maybe some apathy, maybe uh, intolerance, maybe selfishness, maybe something else. He'll start calling it out. And here's how you know it's God. It always lifts you higher. It never pushes you down. He said, no, yes, you can. Because a harvest is coming if we don't give up. And it's a harvest of blessing. Amen. Pastor Matt and team, can you lead us in this song? Can we use this song to ask that question? God, what's growing in my life? And God, would you correct me? And watch the blessing of heaven fill this room. In the name of Jesus, let's sing.
The Bible says there's more available. It says who can be saved? Who can, who can be reconnected with God that our sin took us away? It's not those that do good. It says those that confess with their mouth and believe in their heart. Man, God, Jesus is God. Jesus is Lord. He died for my sin. He reconnected us. I'm so thankful he did. Because of that, I can be a son and daughter. If you believe that, you say that, a miracle happens. His Holy Spirit will fill you and give you power. So, God, we just pray right now for those in this room that have not given their lives to you. They've not made that step. They've not believed in their heart or said it. Today we say, come Holy Spirit. Jesus, would you come into our lives? We forgive us our past. Would you lead us today? You are the Son of God. I want a relationship with you. Would you adopt me? Would you bring me into your kingdom? I don't want to try off works. I want to belong to the kingdom of heaven. Jesus, make yourself Lord of my life right now. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. God is so good. God is so good. Don't give up, church. Don't stop doing good, church. Why? Because we will reap a harvest that will feed us and feed the world, and it's a harvest of blessing. Blessing is coming because we are tied to the tree, connected to the tree of God, amen. Lord, bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. And may the coffee fill your belly, and next steps is open. We love you. Ephesians 1 today, Ephesians tomorrow, chapter 2. We'll see you next Sunday. God bless.